Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 25, entitled Enter Lila, in which I'll be examining annual number one. So, yeah, a rock superstar is also a thief of planets? That's the story behind Lila Cheney. Stick around and find out more. So this is the first annual I've had a chance to dive into on this podcast, and I'm kind of excited about it. There's a lot of reasons. You know, the creative team, for one, is different. We've been, and I don't mind being stuck in an era of solid creative work coming from specific people for long, prolonged periods of time. In fact, that's one of the things I like about the Claremont era of uh, on the X-Men. It's just consistent writing throughout that time. There's always the same writer. The stories flow and they continue to grow and uh, evolve and plot elements usually aren't dropped. They will begin to be dropped down the road, but early on, not, not, that's not something we see. And so that consistency creates really good stories, in my opinion. So creative teams that are consistent, that aren't constantly fluxing and changing, um, yeah, you get some really cool things that come out of that, in my opinion. And we see that with the New Mutants, just like we see that with the Uncanny X-Men. So, here we do have some changes, though, like I said, to our creative team. So it's Claremont's writing. He's not uh, hasn't given that up for this annual. So he's writing this annual, but we do not have Bill Sienkiewicz on this, on this uh, annual. He did do the cover, and the cover is stunning. It's like a rock... Uh, a rock and roll poster is what I, I is what I see with this. It's like it reminds me of, yeah, uh, '80s rock band poster, and we've got Lila Cheney and the Earth behind her, and Sam Guthrie uh, collapsed at her knees, her arms raised, and she's holding her guitar, and she looks to be screaming or singing. Uh, and w- there's one thing that I like about this. It's Sam Guthrie is grabbing onto her leg and really reminds me of like the the hapless heroine or the hapless uh, heroine heroine in peril. Um, g- very much gender reversal here, uh, role reversal here, um, and I really like it. On, on the bottom of this beautiful, beautiful cover is "Steal This Planet: A Rock Fable," and. This title, it's, it's enti- uh, called The Cosmic Cannonball Caper, and, and we'll get more into that. Uh, but let's finish up with that, this creative team. Like I said, the artist that is on this book, that everything inside this book is penciled by, is Bob McLeod. So we have the creator, the guy that really gave us uh, these characters that first put created their design, the way they looked. He he's back. And I'm so happy about it cuz he's he's fantastic. Um without him we don't have these characters in the form that they exist. So, he is back. He does this entire issue and he does most of the inking. He does have a partner a, a another gentleman who's come onto the book who inks like 5 pages of the 40. So that's Palmer. And we've seen him before. He he was uh in the 
uh, Magic miniseries. He was part of that. So he, he did some inking in that miniseries. Colorist is a gentleman we've not seen before, Bob uh, Sharon. Uh, he's done colors for Marvel. He's worked for Marvel. He's done colors on other books that are pretty uh, big books. Amazing Spider-Man, She-Hulk, Ghost Rider, among others. He's done lots. We have uh, McLeod doing the lettering for this issue, which I've not seen him do lettering before. So, And he does a pretty good job. Uh, so he, he letters and draws and inks most of this book. Uh, Ann Nascenti, line editor, of course, and Bob Shooter, Jim Shooter, Bob, Jim Shooter is uh, editor-in-chief at Marvel. So that's our creative team, and like I said, it's super exciting to have the creator of the New Mutants back, the co-creator of New Mutants back, the guy that gave us their visual, uh, visual makeup. He created their design. He put pen, pencil to paper, and these are the characters we got because of him. And if you're a fan of the New Mutants, I think uh, Bob McCloud should be one of the guys that you look to as, you know, as, as, as certainly as important to, as Claremont. Claremont gives us continued stories over a long, prolonged period of time, but if it wasn't for Bob McCloud, we wouldn't have the character designs that we have today. And... He deserves a lot of credit for that, in my opinion. Um, I love the guy, and yeah, I've said it already. I'm glad to have him back. He's going to be back for this annual, and it's, I'm pretty sure, the last work he does for New Mutants. So uh, if, you, if you can find this annual, run out, grab it. It's a great read. Uh, we'll get into it here, uh, so stay tuned. So on this very first page, we see Sam Guthrie, and he is appears to be like uh, rocketing, using his biometric ability, his ability to trigger a biometric reaction that then sends his body hurtling through the air, uh, hence his name, Cannonball. Uh, we see Sam here uh, using his abilities, pushing against this, looks like cement uh, or metal uh Thing. It's it's resting on his shoulders. His head and body are pushed up against it, and, and he's straining greatly. He's got a grimace on his face. Sweat and is dripping from his head. He's in his uh, uniform, and next page we see that he's in the danger room, and it, and it's a test. This is a test. He's in. He's a student, remember? And Xavier has him in the danger room. Xavier and Danny and Ileana are in the control booth. They're watching Sam run this test, and Xavier. Uh, is just trying to get some statistics, see how far Sam has progressed, and, and just seeing, you know, how much further Sam needs to go. And Xavier's pretty pleased. He, he's, he's happy with where all of Sam's readings are, his heart rate. He seems like he's in good condition, is good in shape. Uh, so things are moving really well. Sam gets the impression, though, which we've We've seen him struggling with his confidence, especially in terms of his powers. He's really struggled lately. He sees himself as the oldest, and therefore he should be the, the best when it comes to the use of his abilities. He doesn't, he doesn't think that he, he's moved, advanced as far as his fellow teammates. They're all younger, and they're all leaps and bounds ahead of him in the ability to utilize their, their mutant powers, their mutant abilities. If Sam 
He sees himself struggling just to make simple corrections in course while rocketing. And he's afraid, and, and he projects this on Charles Xavier. And he asks at one point in the test, you know, how am I doing? And Xavier responds very dryly. It's, it's, I kind of would imagine Xavier would. His voice wouldn't necessarily tell you anything. He says, as expected. And Sam just, he's in thought. He's just lost in thought at this moment. He's giving it everything he can, as far as he can tell. And he's like, he feels like the weight of the world's on his shoulders. He feels like he's got something he has to prove here. And he, he's about ready to give up. He's just, he thinks Xavier's disappointed in him, that Xavier doesn't think he's capable, as capable of, as, as these other new mutants, and that he's really failed. And he, and he projects all his concerns and all his lack of confidence and everything he's felt negatively about his use and ability of, uh, with his, uh, his mutant abilities, and he, and he projects that on Xavier. And he, he, he's ready to quit, but one thing we, we've come to realize over time is that from Sam's own description of himself, and in a, in a lot of ways, uh, due to Sam's own um, actions in the issues preceding this, that he isn't a quitter. That he's not used to failing, but he doesn't quit. You know, when things got going hard for his family, he was supposed to go to college. His dad passed away, and, and he decided he was going to become the breadwinner. His family needed him. He went and found a job, and he worked in the coal mines, just like his father had. And he, he gave it all up just to do that. So we know that Sam is tenacious. He doesn't give up easily. And, and he decides, you know, screw Xavier. I'm going to show him, and he, and he gives it everything he's got. And Xavier probably senses this because he turns to Danny, and he says, Sam's doing really good. And it appears that he is, you know, we, I, what I need is you to, to use your idea. You, use your powers, Danny. It's your turn. And, act, you know, use your powers on him. Danny's, like, concerned. She doesn't like this thought. And she tells Xavier that. And he says, well, that's, you know, it, she says it's not fair. And Xavier tells her, well, that's the idea. You know, and Danny does not want to interfere with Sam during this test. But she does as Xavier asks and she pulls a fear from the back of Sam's mind. And we see the 3D image that appears before Sam as he's under this massive ram that he's trying to lift off the ground. He's under this massive ram. He's trying to lift it off the ground. I didn't tell you that part. Probably should have. Um, a, a, this 3D image of a brood queen appears before him, and he's terrified. He thought they were all dead, and it's talking to him just like the broodlings, the brood did in, in their battle with him, them in, in the early issues, in 1 and 2 and X-Men one, uh, 167. So it's been a while. Um, and it, you know, it's calling him a youngling. It's, it's, got, it's here for its revenge. It's here to kill Sam. And Sam's terrified. He loses concentration. The ram smashes the ground. Thankfully, it's got safety things that prevent it from crushing Sam because he, lo- you know, he just drops out of his, his rocket. His blasting field just dissipates when he loses concentration. And he is very upset, obviously. He's yelling at Danny, you know, that was a dirty trick. And Xavier intervenes and says, you know, 
it was deliberate, deliberate, you know, just to interrupt everything, to shock him. And Xavier says that it succeeded. Danny says it's, you know, he's mad. He's mad at me. You know, and she's concerned about that. And Xavier kind of says, you know, Xavier's take on Sam here. And I think it's important. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim. I'm just going to read the quote. Xavier says, occasionally Sam is a bit too proud for his own good. And Xavier mentally projects himself. Uh, you know, uses his side abilities to communicate directly, you know, unspokenly to Sam. And uh, projects himself astrophysically, uh, you know, astrally projection to, to Sam. Um, and he tells Sam that, you know, Danny acted, to, I told her to do it. You know, I wanted to see how you'd handle, you know, a shock. Because you cannot be, you can't lose concentration just because something startles you. Just because you're, uh, you know, something appears that you didn't expect. Like, you have to maintain control. Because if you don't, you could hurt yourself or someone else. Like, it's vitally important. And... You know, even though they're not necessarily training to be X-Men or to be in combat, you never know when something could, the situation could arise where he would would be using his abilities and and something like this could occur. And so it's vitally important in Xavier's mind that he understand fully his capabilities and how to control, but also how to maintain focus while controlling his power, while using his abilities. And... Sam apologizes for getting so upset, you know, and and he's embarrassed by it. And you know, Xavier offers some some condolences here, saying, you know, every X Men there has not there's not one X Men that wasn't in your shoes at one time, and feeling the same way. There's no shame in making mistakes. And he built, you know, like this has all been built. The stage room was constructed for this sole purpose to construct. Con- conduct these experiments and tests in a controlled environment and and in comparative safety and not in battle. You know, he tells Sam he did well and there's always second chances to come. So, you know, he shouldn't get too down on himself. Um, and, you know, Sam is pretty you know, still struggling with that confidence. Like, this did nothing to remedy Sam's past struggles. Uh, And so, that's kind of, this test has done, maybe help kind of shred, you know, sweep away some of Sam's pride, but his confidence is still not high after. Elsewhere, New York City, we see an empty street. The sky appears to be dusk. There's a wooden fence and a construction site. And it's a fairly high tower. It's just the metal girders and the building is not finished. And we hear a and a being. Uh, at first, it's a very translucent, but it becomes uh, solid. And it, something has teleported in, peering, peering out of nowhere. It's, it's green and, and hairy. 
it's an alien of some type, uh, massive muscles, claws, and a long tail, hairy um, in places along its arms and uh, shins and cheeks. This, this alien moves towards the wooden fence and sees a picture of Lila Cheney and rips at its face, shredding the poster. And this is all we see. We see nothing else. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, Danny is dressed in her dance uniform, uh, leotard, and, and looks like leg-warm socks. Um, she is stretching. She's, she's in the dance studio with Stevie Hunter, someone we hadn't seen in quite a while, actually. And they're working on, on physical rehab. If you remember, she was severely injured in her fight with the demon bear. It almost killed her, in fact. The only thing that saved her was the healer, who is a Morlock. And uh, she has really been struggling to... Her body's been struggling to heal itself. So she is on the mend, and she's doing pretty well. I mean, she's she's able to walk. I think she has a cane now, and uh, she's here working with Stevie. And Stevie gets the pain and the struggle that Danny's going through right now. Because Stevie... Uh, injured her leg. She broke her legs. I mean, she used to be a a prima ballerina. She was uh, destined for greatness, and this injury ended her career. And she opened a dance studio, and then got became an ally of the X Men, and now she's teaching the New Mutants. and And she's trying to help Danny through this process. Danny's straining and struggling, and really just not happy about how this is going. She thinks it should go a lot faster. Her body needs to mend. She's she feels useless, and and Stevie, you know, gets it. She does get it, and she she comforts Danny. And um, this this is interrupted by Roberto, who's just overjoyed his his face is just sheer joy and excitement as he bursts in the door he tells danny he's got him there's tickets for all of us to lila cheney's a final concert saturday night i got him you know and he's holding the tickets in his hand he is just sheerly overjoyed with his success at, at getting these tickets so the the group heads into town. It's it's uh, they get all dolled up. They all get dressed up. They're all uh, looking looking pretty good, you know. They're they're gonna go see this concert live, uh, and thanks to you know they're able to get these tickets, these really good tickets because of Roberto's father. Even though they're estranged, <coughs> Roberto still knows he knows the concert promoter. Through his dad's, his, his through his father's connections, so he's able to get these tickets, including backstage passes. So while everyone else is at this theater and they're waiting in line to get in for this concert, they get to move right up to the line and they go right in the door, and everyone's jealous. And Roberto basks in this. This is his favorite thing to to be <clears throat> kind of above and better than the rest, like to show his friends a good time and to be the provider of that. That's always been something that he's enjoyed and he's enjoying this moment. And they go, all go in and, and they're able to witness Lila Cheney's band doing their sound check. 
And, you know, they're worried, a couple of them are worried that they're in the way because we've got roadies hauling equipment and speakers around trying to get things set up for the concert. And, you know, they're wondering if maybe they should get out of the way. And Roberto's like, until they tell us to move, we're staying right here. I'm not missing a thing. Uh, and then, you know, they're commenting about how crazy this is. Uh, it's a madhouse. The show is going to start in an hour. And... Will they even get everything ready? They're just stunned by like how much effort it takes to put the show on. They're just captivated by it all. And then all of a sudden, Doug Ramsey lets uh, lets lets them know that Lila Cheney's there. He screams her name, he points, and everybody's like, you know, stunned. And you know, Roberto's can't wait. Like he just cannot wait uh, to see her in person. And she goes on stage, and she's ready to, like, just kick it in gear. She wants to make sure that the sound sounds good. She's ready for, you know, to rock and roll. And, like, the cool thing about Lila Cheney, you know, we've seen Dazzler in the past, and we see these other Marvel... Marvel's attraction, like, Marvel's other superstars and musicians all tend to be, like, the disco era. And here's Lila Cheney, this hardcore rocker chick, like, punk like rocker like she is amazing she's an amazing character she's so uh perfect and she just strides in leather pants leather uh, vest leather boots and she's got her guitar slung over her shoulder and she just rocks like she just explodes <clears throat> and they of course love it the men the guys are going crazy saying she's great uh Liliana thinks she sings really well. <laughs> it's just great. Okay, so I'm just going to read this this exchange between Sam and Liliana. Sam says, she's great. Sings good too, Liliana. And then Sam replies, uh, uh-huh, right, Liliana. Uh, the heck with it. May, I'm in love too with the music and the lady. You know, and so the guys are just gaga over her. And 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 uh, Doug, he asks Bobby if we're going to meet, you know, are we going to meet her too? And Bobby's, he's like, that's his intent. He's, he's trying to figure out a way as he's standing there on stage. His whole plan, I think, this whole time has been that he's going to get a chance to meet Lila Cheney and she's going to fall for him. <clears throat> he thinks, you know, it's typical with Roberto's character. He is the ladies' man. He is the guy that's going to get the girl. He deserves it. He has earned it. You know, it's just that is part of the reality that he believes exists for him. And as they're mesmerized by Lila Cheney, there's a snap, and the speakers that were stacked begin to crack. And they're right, like, next to or behind Lila Cheney, probably next to. And they start to tip. And Warlock, who is in... A human form, hum, human form. So he's using uh, some technology that uh, has been used by other X-Men in the past. Nightcrawler and Beast, I think, have both used it to show a human form when they're actually obviously not human, uh, don't appear as normal human. And so it allows him to go into public without people going, uh, there's an alien here? Um, so he appears to be human, and 
he he's you know says alarm alarm and they all he and roberto sunspot who transforms into his form and warlock you know drops his guys his disguise they run in and they uh, roberto grabs the chains to hold steady the rack and try to keep these speakers from falling and uh because Warlock can transform his body into pretty much any shape he wants. He can become anything, you know, really whatever is needed. He turns himself into basically this piston bracer thing that allows him to just kind of try to prevent these speakers from toppling. Well, they weren't, they were able to like steady two of them, but there's a third one on top that that's going to fall. It's falling. And Sam sees this from the other side of the stage. And of course he ignites his power, his and blasts across the stage. He cuts it just before he enters the view of everyone else in the uh, the arena, and looks so it looks as though he just dove instead of he's actually like using his mutant abilities. So everyone also see just this guy diving across the stage. He knocks Lila Cheney out of the way, and of course that top speaker falls right where she had been standing, um, with a big wham. And everybody runs over, her bandmates, and uh, the new mutants run over to ask to check she's, she, she's okay. And she says, yeah, she, you, know, um, you know, they're all worried about it. And they ask who he is. Uh, she asks, you know, got a name, Blondie? Sam, Sam Guthrie. I'm Lila. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> and... His manager comes in, her manager comes in, wants to, do, you know, not have the show. Lila's like, no, we're doing this. And then she goes over to Sam and kisses him and tells him, you know, you and your friends, you're coming with me after the show. We're going to have a party. And, you know, Sam's just like completely, uh, just, just completely uh, stunned, right? She kissed me. She called me love. Uh, and Roberto, of course, is not quite happy. Hey, don't hog all the credit. Warlock and I helped, you know. Face the facts, shorty, short, shorty. Lady knows a class act. No accounting for taste, that's for sure. And his face just betrays Roberto's face, just totally betrays his just like sheer disgust with what's happened. He feels so wrong. He feels like you did nothing. You just jumped and knocked her out of the way. But, you know, Warlock and him, he, they tried to stop it. They, they were there. They used their powers. Like, they were using all their muscle. And, like, they get no credit. Um, and Sam's like, don't make a federal case out of it. It's not that big a deal. Um, geez, you know. I love that. Geez, that's such a... <laughs> A kid thing to say, jeez, jeez, you know, like I just love it. I just love it. It's so well, well done, well done here. Um, anyways, well, these two have kind of been bickering and teasing each other. Uh, Sam's teasing Roberto more than anything. Uh, Warlock, who's returned to his that human uh, disguise, is holding this chain, and he says it's been cut. And they go into action. The new mutants are going to try to figure out what happened. And Rain is, goes to her wolf form and transitional form eventually to sniff out to try to figure out <clears throat> who would have cut this chain. How, you know, who would have done this? She does pick up a scent and it's not of this earth. And so she, she follows it and the team follows her. Uh, the show starts and, you know, it's just, you know, rock and roll music, you know, blasting, right? And and the team gets up in the rafters above the stage and they're checking up there. They're following Rain, who's in her wolf form. And they do finally find what had caused this, that had cut the 
the, the chain. And it's an alien. It's that alien that we saw earlier that ripped the poster of Lila Cheney. His name is Valkrin. Warrior. He's a hunter. And he's here to kill Lila. To capture her. To kill her. And the New Mutants try to intervene. He throws Rain to the side. Cannonball rockets and misses. Bobby is no big deal. Even in some sorts form. He's just tossed Bobby aside. Uh... He blasts Ileana because she really doesn't have, she, you know, she's got her stepping discs. Her magical, her, her, uh, her soul sword doesn't do damage to non-magical creatures. Uh, and the, only, the, the first person to really have any success, the first being, the first mutant to have any success against uh, this creature is Warlock. He extends his, he basically wraps his, his uh, arms and feet and, and like embraces them in like shackles that are attached to his big body that he's turned into this massive brick. Well, he's not attached to anything, and so he basically just flips uh, Warlock and throws him off the stage into into you know two of his fellow new new mutants, uh, Rain and Bobby, who had begun to regroup. Magma blasts him with lava, and he just punches her in the face. Um, and he's taking. You know, with all the new mutants basically taken care of, this this monster, this alien thing, takes aim at Lila Cheney. And before he's able to fire, Sam has recovered and rockets back, smashing him in the back and knocking him into a curtain. And then Lila just begins to glow. Um, and... She plays her as she plays her guitar, she glows more and more and more, and the noise affects this alien and basically causes him to explode. And Warlock's beginning to go crazy too. He's grabbing his head and screeching, but nothing can be heard over the sound of the music. The alien armor wep, you know vaporizes, the alien bursts into flames and just explodes in a big light show. Sam and the this the destruction and this explosion <clears throat> it weakened that catwalk that they'd been on and Sam falls Amara grabs him and he hangs above the stage and all this commotion all this stress and, and you know building energy and pulsating environment it, he, it, Sam cannot concentrate to uh, ignite his powers he's unable to do that and so he's hanging above the stage all the other mutants uh, Amara's holding Sam, trying to help him get back up. None of the other mutants can hear what's going on. Uh, everybody else is really concerned. Bobby, Rain, and Ileana are over by Warlock, who is n- really incapacitated. And he's saying, Waves, power, overload, discorporation, eminent. And they notice how his speech is really jagged and jarred, and they don't really understand what's happening. But the light around and from Lila Cheney just keeps getting brighter, brighter, brighter. And, you know, it's things are becoming hard to dis- differentiate. It's almost whitewashed. And as Amara struggles to pull Sam up, she's unable to. In fact, Sam slips and... All of a sudden, the light dissipates, and no one's on stage. Sam's gone, too, and the crowd's going wild, pushing onto the stage. Um, The new mutants uh, come down 
They've got Warlock who's able to transform into, you know, he's put his disguise back on. And they go back to Doug and Dan, uh, Doug Ramsey and Danny Moonstar, both who had stayed at the bottom on the stage um, because they don't have physical combat ability, right? And they would not be good in this fight. And so they'd stayed down. Well, the team regroups. They know Sam's gone, that Lila Cheney's gone, and something is really wrong with Warlock. And. Danny asks what happened, where Sam, they said he's vanished, and Warlock, uh, they talk about the killer and what's happening to Warlock. Warlock explains, was energy, pulse, sound, pillar, mask, stargate, matrix, this size, capable of hurling objects to opposite side galaxy. And they're trying to figure out what he's talking about. Self-saturated with power, too much, for system to handle, must drain excess before violent discorporation self result energy discharge explosion lay waste planetary hemisphere and he is just in sheer pain like I don't do his voice justice right now but he is in immense pain and he's struggling he's collapsed on the floor he's grabbing his head and Danny does the only thing she can think to do. And that's, you know, asks him if he can activate the Stargate with this excess power. And he says, yes. And they debate it. Like they talk about they're novice students. They shouldn't be running off without Xavier and the X-Men. Um, and Danny's like, you know, they kidnapped our teammate. We need to get him back. And there's no time Lockheed, uh, you know, we got to get it. We'll never get Lockheed out of the theater. We got to do something. And she just tells him to do it, to go. And Warlock does. He ports, he, he activates the Scargate. There's a big burst of light and it's blinding. And the stage is, as the stage is engulfed where the New Mutants was. And when, as it dissipates, no one's left. They're gone. Well, we know as we're reading the comic, what happens to these New Mutants. They, find out that they 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 appear from almost a dream state their their gambit uh Danny's gambit is that by replicating the process that spirited Layla away she replicated that and thought it would be a good idea but it was uh not really it didn't work out and what we see is that all the new mutants including warlock Except for Dan- Sam. So Amara, Bobby, Rain, Ileana, Doug, Danny, and Warlock appear in space. And there's no oxygen. They're in the vacuum of space. It's freezing and their bodies are about to in- implode. Implode. Yeah, I think implode. I might be wrong. Uh, but yeah. They're ready to just be destroyed. And the next page we see... What happened to Lila, Sam, and her band? And they appear in this fancy, glorious, uh, massive house. And Sam asks where they are. She says, and Lila tells him, hey, you're at my house. I invited you over, remember? Uh, I didn't, and she walks over and kisses him again. (coughs) And he asks, what about his friends? Uh, And she's like, hey, sorry, things got a little hectic. Uh, we had to split a little bit sooner than I anticipated. We had to leave your friends behind. Uh, 
And she takes him out to this, like, big balcony where he gets to see, like, the lay of the land. And what he sees is he's on a Dyson sphere. And this is basically a big, big sphere that's been built around a sun. And on the edges of the sphere are where everyone lives. And so there's sun, and it, it, it's what she uses to teleport to and from. And from here, she can teleport pretty much anywhere. Um, her abilities, though, we'll find out later. She doesn't need the Dyson Sphere. She can teleport to any place she's been. So she can teleport to the Dyson Sphere. She can teleport back to any place she's ever been. Physically, where her body has been, she can teleport there. So she's a teleporter. Powers are slightly different than Ileana's. Uh, Sam's a big sci-fi nerd, so he knows a lot about the Dyson Sphere just from what he's read. And, you know, they exchanged some comments about that. And, uh, yeah, we're about to find out exactly what is going on. Because uh, she, uh, Layla, Lila, she is pretty infatuated with Sam. She really, for whatever reason, likes this guy. And she wraps her arms around him and nibbles on his ear. And, you know, Sam is just, like, completely flabbergasted, uh, kind of without speech. Um, She wants him to change. She wants him to get out of this stuff and get into something that's a little more normal, a little more uh, attractive. And so she sends him off with some of her bandmates, that are guys and tells them, you know, get get him some clothes that are a little more appropriate. So, next page, uh, we see what is going on. Um, with Sam gone, Lila is contacted by this other alien that looks similar to the one that we'd seen before, Volcran. This guy is named Charzul, or Charzula, something like that. I may be butchering these names, but I'm doing my best. Anyways, he has had he has an arrangement with Lila, and basically what she's going to do is steal the world, steal Earth, and she's then going to sell Earth and the people to Charzul uh, for a hefty profit, and they're going to mine it for its resources and use the people probably as slaves. But so Lila's not exactly the best kid you'd ever want or best uh, hero. She's kind of a bad guy, an anti-hero. Anyways, we don't have long to reminisce here because on the next page, we see Danny awaken. She's alive. Uh, She awakens, bolts up out of this bed, this cocoon thing, and we see in the next panel, she looks around, she sees all of her teammates in these like stasis pods and it reminds me of the movie Aliens very much so. So I wonder kind of, I mean, everything about it. Uh, down to the art in uh, the way this is laid out, the the designs, um, all of it just screams to me, aliens. And she walks out to the cockpit, and she's in communication. It is obviously Warlock. He's turned himself into a spaceship, and he saved his friends. Um, and he has enough residual power with him in him to get him to where he thinks Lila ported her, her bandmates and Sam. And it's this planet that's a couple light years away and so Danny's like you know she doesn't know what to do but they can't go home this is their only option so they're going to just continue they're going to go and get Sam so that's where they're headed uh, meanwhile Sam 
has returned to Lila's chambers, and he is dressed head to toe in leather, this leather vest with this spike choker and this uh, just ridiculous looking, and he is super not comfortable in it, but Lila loves it. And Lila, her, for her own, for her, to her own right, she's in this like leather leotard or swimsuit thing, and she's sitting waiting in a room in her, you know, on her bed. And Sam comes over to her and she kisses him and Sam is just wide-eyed at this point, but he just, he just gives in. He, he kisses her back and it's a pretty good kiss. Um, it's pretty romantic. Um, anyways, with her distracted, one of her band mates, uh, named Havens, I'm probably butchering the name, contacts Karzul and he's going to double cross Lila, you know, get rid of Lila. He'll make the sale and make all the profits. That's his plan. Uh, well, Lila is busy with Sam again. Meanwhile, the new mutants have arrived on the Dyson sphere and they're not really sure where to go. This, this place is huge and it's empty. Um, and so they're exa- they're exploring and all of a sudden, as they're kind of looking around, Doug Ramsey stumbles upon these uh, hieroglyphs, and he's translating them. He's just overjoyed. He's like, "Oh, you could spend so you could spend a late I could spend a lifetime here and and never actually unlock all the secrets, translate all this language." And he's just overjoyed. And Ileana's like, "Okay, well, we got to catch up with the rest of the team." And as they're crossing this long bridge, they are attacked by these aliens that have come to collect, uh, collect on Lila's. Uh, you know, agreement with Karsul. Um, and they begin blasting at this bridge. Uh, Amara fires at one. Danny's trying to run. She collapses. Uh, Wolfsbane, who had transferred to her wolf swarm, uh, was leading the way to this other tower. She runs back to grab Danny, and uh, they're both struck and fall. Amara uh, sees them fall. Uh, Warlock takes action. He he uh, jumps from the he jumps from the bridge and turns into this floating craft and he catches uh, Danny and Wolfsbane, preventing them from being killed. Rain um, and they're quickly captured. Roberto, for his part, he you know transforms into Sunspot and grabs one of these uh, monster these aliens, throws it from its speeder. Unfortunately, he loses control of it. He's not able to uh, successfully gain control, and he starts flying quickly towards the ground. It looks as though he's going to crash and explode, screaming, Oh, no! (laughs) Um, So what we see next is Warlock, (coughs) Sam, Danny, and uh, Amara. I think that's it's rain. Her hair is not colored. (laughs) <laughs> it's colored uh, gold, uh, yellow, but it's it's rain. Anyways, they're all on their knees in shackles before Cthulhu and, uh, sorry, Karzul. Um, and Lila is at his side in shackles as well. And this screams to me Star Wars, especially the way Lila is at like the side um, near Karzul. Uh, um, and they figure out that they've been, uh, you know, that, that, uh, she's been double crossed by one of her bandmates and Sam in this moment, 
that things are finally kind of falling into place, that the Numians are finally getting some answers to what happened, why, why Lila, you know, what, what Lila was up to, what was going on. Sam is concerned that his teammates, who are whispering, I'll just read the panel. So Danny and, and, and Rain are talking, Dan, and, and Rain says, Danny, is that Sam? And Danny responds, kind of looks like him, Rainy. But I'm not certain. And Sam's face, as he glances over, looks like he's got a couple earrings as well. He's uh, embarrassed and shocked and uh, bashful. And he's thinking to himself, Lord, open the pit and swallow me whole. Bad enough I got to look like this. But to have them, friends, see me. (laughs) And, like, it's like the perfect moment. Like, we needed some levity here because things are not good, Uh, you know. And Kurzul says, Poor Lila looks so upset, does she? Place your trust in Havens, more fool you. And she, you know, confronts Phil. And he tells her bandmate, you know, Hovens, and he tells her, you know, I was made an offer I couldn't refuse. And Kurzul blasts him, just incinerates him, standing right there. Um... And Karzul does have a plan. And Karzul's plan is that he's going to throw the switch, which will bring, uh, which will net the Stargate web together that uh, comes from the Dyson Sphere. It will port Earth from its location in space to the Dyson Sphere. And with this teleportation, it will knock all of the Earth's inhabitants into stasis. And once they arrive... Uh, Karzul's men will go to the planet and put all of them in shackles and there's nothing that anyone can do about it as his hands reaching for this lever the earth begins to shake and you know um, for anyone that didn't know what Amara's powers were she is able to turn her body into molten lava and she can create earthquakes she she shakes the ground beneath her feet at will, pretty much. And that's what she's doing here. She blasts through the wall uh, and erupts into this fight. Her and Ileana and Doug Ramsey are the new mutants who had not been captured. And as Amara appears, um, really pretty gloriously, I mean, it's a beautiful panel, as she is, like, erupting from the ground and uh, looks... She reminds me of, like, Jean Grey in the Phoenix form. Uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful image here. And, like, she is drawing the attention of all the guards and they spend a tough fire on her. Um, Ileana intercepts one and slashes it with the slow sword. It sends it, you know, shocks it. It thinks he's been cut in two and it's done nothing. And by the time he realizes it, Ileana's hoping that she can throw a disc under him to port him to limbo. Uh, Doug Ramsey takes him out of the knee. She, he just dives and knocks it down of the knee. Ileana grabs his, his gun, uh, this alien's gun, and fires it, and basically just incinerates this alien. She then blasts the, the shackles on Sam, uh, freeing him. He rockets into a couple others, and you know Ileana basically goes around and frees all of her teammates. Uh, Danny, she uses her abilities to pull uh, 
uh, image that one of the guards fears uh, from its mind, and it manifests and terrifies it. And better late than never, Roberto in his sunspot form smashes through a wall, and as the wall collapses, it takes out the rest of Carzul's guards. So the day has won, but the damage to the Dyson Sphere is pretty great, and it's been activated, and really, it's over, it's basically it's on overload, and they're not really sure how to stop it, and Lila doesn't use, like I said earlier, she teleports, she can teleport from place to place, she does not use the Dyson Sphere to teleport, her mutant ability is teleportation, so once she's been somewhere, she can teleport there. She doesn't know how to run this Dyson Sphere. So she can't stop the Stargate. She can use it to help push her through time, you know, through space. But she, she is not, she doesn't run it. She doesn't use its controls. And so they're not sure what to do. Like they can leave, but the Earth will pretty much be destroyed. Like they've got, they're, they're hoping they can figure something out. Um, and so in this desperation and it's and i think it's sold pretty well honestly um doug ramsey begins reading the hieroglyphs again and from the stuff he read earlier and the stuff he's got here he's beginning to try to kind of start to piece some stuff together he's starting to see some subtle patterns and base uh it's pretty basic language makes sense uh but there's a bit missing where the wall collapsed he says and again we see that same like art that we saw when Lila was summoning the Stargate on the stage, right? And it gets brighter and brighter, and we see the silhouettes of faces and hair outlines, and that begins to wash out more and more and more. The shadows wiped from their faces and as it just grows brighter and brighter and more intense and more intense. And people are beginning to panic. And Doug is doing working as quickly as he can, trying to decipher these uh, things, and he and he's telling his team, you know, it feels right. Maybe I have the answer, but I need a little bit more time to be certain. And Danny tells him, "We're out of time. You know, if you've got it, you've got it. Like it's this, or 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 either we either you do what you think is right, or you know, we're, it's it's at worst it's lose lose." At best, you get it right. Like, just do it. And and he does it, and he hits the buttons, and and the room and the light dissipates, and everything's back to normal. Doug, Doug is the reason that they survived this, right? So he is the hero in this. And it's it's cool that, like, they didn't have to, like, try to make his... A lot of people rag on Doug's character, Doug Ramsey's character, because he's not a combat-oriented his powers aren't combat oriented, right? And like later versions of him are going to have his ability to read body language. Therefore, he understands he can absorb combat martial arts and like be more combat oriented. And he can read your intent through your body, you know, body motion and stuff. So he's a great hand to hand fighter. Like they didn't have to do that here. What they did here is brilliant. Like they had him use his powers to like solve a puzzle and that saved the day. Right, because it wasn't Carzul necessarily that was a big bad. It was the fact that they, you know, could have died here because of the Stargate, and he's able to disarm that. And so they're trying to figure out how to get back. And Lila's like, "Well, I can get you back, you know, no big deal." And so she does that. She um, 
in like what is always wonderful i think in the like she's a thief right like a rogue character and you know she's very much over the top and you know she tells him you know because they're trying to like i said they're trying to figure out how to get back they think maybe iliana could teleport him back uh, but they're not sure they're not even sure where they are and so lila's like well i can do it leave it to me and sure enough she teleports them to her home in london and they show up in her backyard and they're like, well, can't you take us back to New York, you know? And she's like, well, I can only teleport to places I've been. So I can't, I can't get you back to your house. Now, in, I love the story, and I like how this is handled. And it's just kind of one of those things, well, it's cool, so it stands, you know? Right? The law of cool. So if it's cool, it works. And, like... I'm not trying to desert, you know, who cares about the, like, the science part. Like, that's not the part I'm worried about. The part where I think there's a flaw here is, like, she could have teleported him back to the stage where she had left originally. She was in New York. She could have teleported him back to New York. Now, I don't know what the state of the stage or theater was or if there would have been questions from police officers, so there is that. But there's reason to believe that she's toured America. She could probably get them to America. Not to the mansion, not directly to the mansion, but closer than London. But either way, that's the story. She can't get them to where they want to go, and so they've got to call Xavier. And who knows? I mean, it could just be that, like, Lila's like, I'm done. I've done you the favor. Like, this could be her being mischievous. Because, I mean, that kind of fits her character, right? Like, I can't do that. You're just going to have to deal with the consequences. Sorry. Like, she's got free, right? She's... She's got free, so maybe maybe that's part of it. Um, and so Danny's going to have to make a call to Xavier and say, hey, this is what happened. You're going to have to come over here and uh, pick us up in London and, and take us home. Sorry, we, we kind of did what you told us not to, which is get involved in stuff that's bigger than us. So, like I said, the New Mutants head inside to make their phone call to get Xavier to come over and pick him up. And that leaves Sam and Lila in the courtyard outside her house to discuss things. And Sam really wants to know, like, were you really going to sell the Earth? And she tells him, seemed only fair Earth sold me. What do you mean? Into slavery? My secret, handsome. I shouldn't sell you. I wouldn't sell you, Sam, ever. And, like, this leads to Sam, like, really, are you really interested in me? As he pulls away from her hand, and she tells him, that's right. So when I smile and tell you I like you, dummy, believe it. And, like, it really kind of gets to some resolution. And he, you know, he wants to know about the band. What about Valkyrie? And the Valkyrie are still on the loose. Dyson's, you know, and your Dyson's here. And she says her bandmates are okay. I'd know if they were in trouble. She'll go back later, and she's going to deal with Carzul herself. And she's going to keep the Dyson Sphere her secret. And Sam, he kind of embraces her finally. And the thing I think I like the most about this, as he tells her she's fierce, and it's like this perfect just flip, right? So instead of the guy being taking care of the damsel in the stress, Sam has kind of been thrust into that role. He is the eye candy. He is the damsel in distress. And really we have this rogue character, this this and when I say rogue, I mean like D and D style like gaming rogue, like she's a thief like rogue. 
um, not like Rogue, the Southern Belle, the X-Men, but like that's what I'm talking about when I say Rogue. She's the thief of the group. She kind of is always playing at a game that's a little higher stake than she is maybe. She's always a little bit above her league, and her sly and cunningness always kind of comes to the forefront. And she is fierce. She, she's kind of one of those characters that takes... Really, you know, she goes by her own beat of her own drum. She's um, more capable than, I think, people give her credit for, and Sam's beginning to see that. And so, like I said, he tells her, you're fierce, you're pretty fierce. And she replies, when I have to be, when I'm protecting what's mine, you want the story of my life, where I've been, where I am, where I'm going. Listen to my songs. It's all there. And Sam, he wants to meet her again. And he wants to see her again. And she tells him, you know where I am. Call me anytime. She calls him a sweetheart and they kiss. And Roberto's response as we get it, we see them kissing in the courtyard through the window and we see uh, Ileana peeking outside. And, you know, her comment's great. Can't fault her taste in men. You know, like she's got this little thing, thinks Sam's cute. And uh, everybody, you know, <laughs> and Roberto's response is so great. He's like, she likes him. Lifers Sam to me, and like Danny and Rain are just poking Roberto. Poor wee lad. How awful. Suffer, shorty. You know, is Danny's response. You, my supposed friends, turn on me too. By all the saints in heaven, by all the sinners in hell, truly, there ain't no justice. And. Uh, we get this great last bit of narration. Three months later, Lila's latest single rocks, rockets to the top of the charts, making Roberto feel even more miserable. For it's a love song entitled Sam. And Sam and Lila are going to be in, in a thing. Like, Lila is from chronology, from chronology, at this point in Marvel, in, in New Mutants chronology, at this point, Lila is Sam's first girlfriend. And this relationship is going to move forward, continue down the road uh, for some time. And, you know, she's a great character. I just kind of spent a lot of time in this last chapter talking, in this last section of this, this podcast, talking about why I like her character so much. She's just kind of like this chaos character at this point. She pops up. Uh, she's the apple of everyone's eye. Everybody's really drawn to her, men and women. And, like, she's super manipulative. She's got her own game. But she knows what she wants, and she takes it in all forms. And, like, she always seems to be able to rise to the top, right? And she's not, like, going to let be some guy's eye candy. Like, she has her own thing, and that's what she's going to do. And, like... It's it's just really cool. It's really refreshing to see that. And a couple times in X-Men, Uncanny X-Men and New Mutants, you're going to see male characters put in these gender-reversed roles where we see typically a damsel in distress, but the man is playing that role, and the woman is the more dominant of the two. And that's kind of neat to see. Um, and and Claremont and his his creative team, it, they're never afraid to do that. We see that with Simonson's work. You're going to see that later on. <clears throat> in the inferno uh inferno crossover when we when we have havoc uh kind of being kowtowed by um <clears throat> Madeline Pryor kind of going to her beck and call 
Um, and so it's it's not a far, it's not that crazy to see it here. Um, and I, like I said, I enjoy that. This issue's great. It's really a fun, it's a fun read. It's a great annual. It's, it's one of my favorite annuals, honestly. And like, it's it's refreshing to have Bob McCloud come back onto the book and we're getting here some closure. Like, we get a full piece, a full, a full annual that it's all McLeod pencils. And for the most part, it's almost all McLeod, um, Bob McLeod's own, uh, it's almost all Bob McLeod's own inking as well. There's only a couple pages, like five pages of all the pages in here that are inked by Palmer. So it's very much kind of like a farewell to McLeod, like thanks for everything you did. And, you know, here's a really, really solid issue a lot of fun, a lot of enjoyment. And we're getting some new characters, and we're getting, again, a broader spectrum of what the Marvel Universe is. We're seeing it in a wider scope. And we're we're getting some... Like, I always like it when Claremont wraps in pop culture into his uh, stories, especially with the New Mutants, because, like, of all the teams, of all the groups, like, these are teenagers. Like, and when you think back to the 80s, when this book was being printed, like... Maybe there was cable. There's no internet. You, your your phones, you didn't have cell phones. You you went to pay phones or you called from a landline. <clears throat> there, if, if there wasn't cable at the time, which there might have been, if they didn't have it, though, if you didn't have cable, satellite, you had five channels, maybe six, PBS, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, you know, like, there's only a handful of channels and you can, you know, so like, the idea that, like, Tom Selleck is this sex symbol for them. The fact that they're drawn to specific movies and going through the same sorts of things people their age would have gone through. The fact that they're attuned to music and, like, connected to that scene. It's it's really neat to see. You know, I really think it's a very, very cool touch. And to have an experience at a concert that then is, like, pushed over the top because of... Uh, some hijinks that occur because a rock star is going to try to steal the earth. It's it's fantastic. It's just really cool, really enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, so that is the first annual. It's it's a good one. Uh, and uh, next week we will return with issue number 22 uh, of the New Mutants. So, uh, yeah, come back for that and... Uh, We'll get back on task, and we will get into what happened with Bobby and Rain after they met Cloak and Dagger. So, see you next week. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant via email at Explore the New Mutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another really amazing feature Anchor offers us is the ability for you to get in touch with me via Anchor Messenger. That allows you, the listeners, to record roughly minute-long messages that then are sent directly to me. I can then add those directly into my episode and answer questions, comments, or concerns 
and have you directly involved in the episode. It's a really, really cool feature, and I love using it. So if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please send them my way, and I'd be happy to address those as they come in. Um, <clears throat> next week, we'll be diving into uh, issue number 22 and episode 26, entitled Once Upon a Time. So until next week, keep reading those comics.